it's time for Kids Corner on the State Champs Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jonathan Kidd. Thank you, Gabe O'Neill, for that wonderful intro. Welcome to another edition of Kids Corner. I'm Jonathan Kidd along with Jeff Dulac. How's it going today, Jeff? It's going pretty well. It's kind of surprising that we're we're just past the midway point of the high school football regular season, at least. So we've got some time before uh, we get to Ford Field, but we're, we're halfway to the playoffs. This is our midseason report, the highs and lows of the season. Let's start with when we all expected it was going to be Muskegon and Orchard Lake St. Mary's once again in the Division Three football state finals this year. Muskegon's on a roll, 5-0. and oh. Yeah. They Do got, you really they think they're going to lose this year during the regular season? To be honest, no. Uh, I think the only you know opportunity that they have to potentially lose in the regular season is Mona Shores. I think that comes up uh, next week, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that, to me, seems like the really the only real possibility for, for a loss on Muskegon's schedule. And that is a real possibility. Mona Shores is for real. You know, Tom Markowski, I think, has them ranked number five this year through five weeks. So that's a real possibility. But I think Muskegon is still better on paper. And on top of that, I think this Muskegon team remembers, you know, the heartbreaker from last season. I think that's kind of driving them forward at this point. Archer Lake St. Mary's is one in four. Something you'd never hear, <laughs> at least in my time doing this. You don't hear those, those numbers in that team, you know. What do you think has been the issues with the team this year? That's got to that point where they are at one and four right now. You know, to be honest, I think it has a lot to do with uh, you know St. Mary's has built their name on you know the, they're playing the trenches. You know whether they have a you know a team with a great quarterback like they had with Robert Bolden, and you know they could throw it out wide to Allen Robinson, or they can they can just flat out run the ball like they have in the last couple of years. I think the offensive line is the issue. Now it it may be a little unfair to say this, but watching them play East Kentwood, you know. That's where St. Mary struggled the most. East Kentwood got a lot of penetration defensive line going after the quarterback after the running game, and then East Kentwood did a really good j- job of you know keeping their quarterback clean in the passing game. So I kind of feel that might be the case. However, with that being said, East Kentwood might have the two best you know linemen on any given team. Muskegon's up there too with Anthony Bradford and Antoine Reed, but you have Logan Brown, Mazzy Smith or Mazzy Smith, I apologize, playing with. East Kentwood, and that's so that's a really tough task. But that's the only game I've seen St. Mary's, and then it really feels that might be their their weak point. Where years past that, it's been anything but their weak point. Another team we thought was going to have a good year was UED Jesuit. They were they yep. got bumped down from the Catholic League Central Division to the Double A Division. That's right. Granted, they still had to play a couple teams in the Central Division this year. Yeah. They're also one and four after their loss to Divine Child this past week. UED Jesuit was kind of a victim of their own schedule, uh, but I will say that. You know, going into the season, I kind of looked at them at this point of the season being 3-2. and two. I guess the really tough thing for, for UAD Jesuit, I expect them to win that season opener. And if they win that season opener against Brother Rice, I think UAD is back in the driver's seat when it comes to making the playoffs. But now, you know, they've lost to Brother Rice, and they've lost to Dearborn Divine Child, who I expected them to beat. You know, that's two losses right there, you know, if they if they win even one of those games right now, they're 2-3. They're and three. While two and three isn't ideal, they're I think back in the driver's seat to to potentially make the playoffs. So you know, in my opinion, I don't mean to kind of knock down you know a team after week one, but that loss to Brother Rice did a great deal to really limit their chances of making the playoffs. They're still a very talented team. The issue with UD Jesuit right now is their depth. You know, I've seen them three times this year, just not a whole lot of numbers on their sideline. 
Elijah Collins is playing really well for UAD Jesuit. Uh, Walter Reynolds, the quarterback for UAD, is starting to get going, You know, taking some of the, the pressure off of Collins. But, yeah, it's, it's kind of been a rough start for UAD. But it wouldn't surprise me if UAD finishes at 5-4. and four. Other teams to note, we'll just go by quickly. Allen Park, they're 2-3 and three right now. Northville, 2-3 and three on the year. And Hudsonville, a good team out on the west side of the state, is only 1-4. and four. Out of those three, who are you surprised? Uh, I'll be honest, I'll say I'm surprised by Northville. Um, especially because Northville got the season off to a, a fantastic start. I think they beat Dearborn 40-14 to 14 or something along those lines. And it kind of seemed like you know Matt Laddick and Northville were right back and... and you know, picking up to what could be a, a really good season, albeit Dearborn has turned out to be not what they've been in years past. You know, they've lost some some really key players from previous years, um, so that win may have been a little bit misleading. But I, all in all, I'm still surprised that Northville isn't quite there yet. You know, I saw Northville play Livonia Churchill, and Livonia Churchill really just took it to Northville, and you know that in its own is was really surprising because Northville is the type of team who doesn't really have a team take it to them. We've seen them play a a really good Catholic Central team and they haven't, you know, just folded. So to see that, I was was pretty surprised by that. We're not talking about the negatives here. Let's talk about the positives. (laughs) Now, a team that we had in our top 10 rankings at the beginning of the year was Bloomfield. Mm -hmm. They got off to an 0-2 start. Mm -hmm. Now they have won their last three, including a a tough one last week against Rochester Adams. Do you feel like the, the pieces are, are in place now for West Bloomfield to make a nice run. Yes, I, I really do. I think every team needs a wake-up call at some point in the season. Um, unless you're a super team like Detroit King two years ago or Cast Tech last year, a loss, in my opinion, there's no such thing as a good loss, but it's not a bad thing to lose a game. You know, losing the first game of the year to Wild Lake Western, you know, that was, that was tough. Um, and then losing the way they did to Bloomfield Hills in Week 2, I think that was the real wake-up call for West Bloomfield. And say what you will about West Bloomfield coach Ron Bellamy, you know if there's anything that he does, you know, better than the vast majority of coaches is he rallies his teams. You know, since the day he got to West Bloomfield, he's been known to rally his teams, get them together, get them to play hard, and and get them to play you know the, their style of football. And I really think that's what West Bloomfield's doing. You know, a couple of weeks ago they put up uh, a good number on Clarkston, whether it was five or six touchdowns as a team. They did that, and then you go to last week against Rochester Adams, who's had a really good offense so far this season. They hold them to 16 points. West Bloomfield's a team that I really felt had a really good shot to make it to Ford Field because we've talked about it multiple times. You know, Division One is wide open. We're not entirely sure. We know the big guys, Castec, West, uh, and Utica Eisenhower, are kind of the teams to beat. But after that, I think it's wide open. So after the first two weeks, I kind of felt like, you know, maybe I, I was – too high on West Bloomfield, but now that we're through Week 5, I think West Bloomfield's on its way back to, to making a statement. They still have some tough games left, but they've, they've made a pretty big statement the last three weeks. We talked earlier about Muskegon. Who could be their toughest challenge down the road? It could be East Grand Rapids in the playoffs. Very Whenever open, they're yeah. going to play each other, it could be the regionals, maybe a semifinal, but East Grand Rapids... Man, they're off to a great start this year, yep. including the big win over Lowell. You know, we, we saw you know East Grand Rapids in Week One. They beat Farmington Hills Harrison and pretty handily. And I think we looked at oh well, East Grand Rapids is playing well right now, but you know maybe this is kind of the time that Harrison maybe takes its um, turn downwards. You know, Harrison's been lacking numbers recently. So, but now we look to this point of the season, Harrison's pretty good. Hmm. Uh, I think Harrison's three and two right now with some good wins under the belt. 
So that makes that win look really good. But the real statement that East Grand Rapids made was over Lowell. You know, Lowell at the at that time was in, was Tom Markowski's number one team in the state, and I I think that took all of us by surprise. We knew that East Grand Rapids was good. We just didn't realize they were that good. With all due respect to East Grand Rapids, do I think that they will beat Muskegon? I don't. They're, they're a legitimate contender at this point. And with Orchard Lake St. Mary's more than likely not making the playoffs, even if they win out and it's, go five and four. It's going to take a lot. Is Divine Child in the driver's seat to be the favorite to make it to Ford Field in Division Three on the other side of the bracket? It's a that's a tough question. You know, I got a chance to see Divine Child just this past week. I think so, but it was kind of tough watching Divine Child in the first half against UD Jesuit. In the blink of an eye, you know, Divine Child was down fourteen nothing. Um, didn't look great, but then you fast forward to the end of the second quarter, second half. Uh, Theo Day, you know, turned it on. Aiden Hutchinson turned it on. Quinn Blair turned it on. The running game looked good. If it's the Divine Child team from the final. 30 minutes of that game, then yeah, I think Divine Child's got a really good chance. I think they have a really good chance to beat Muskegon um, on Ford Field. The only thing, you know, looking way too far ahead would be Muskegon has the size advantage and a, and a significant one at that. Talking about the Lions, you know, I don't, I don't know if there's a team in the state that has as many tall, big, skilled, skill position guys like Divine Child has, but I was very impressed with Divine Child, particularly Theo Day. I hadn't seen him since he was playing quarterback at Detroit Catholic Central. And he's, he's obviously, and like you would expect somebody two over two years, took huge strides in the right direction to, to improving himself and improving his game. I never realized how good of a, a pass-catching tight end Aiden Hutchinson is, you know, playing, you know, being kind of that 1A target for Theo Day. Quinn Blair might be the top target. Divine Child has the playmakers there. You know, they called that win over UD Jesuit a program win, and I think it's because, A, it's a Division One Class A, or, well, it's a Division Two Class A team. And they were down seventeen nothing in the first half, so I think it's they're, they're tough. It's tough to tell at this point, but I think uh, this coming weekend they play Warren De La Salle, and that'll be an, another big opportunity for Dearborn Divine Child to really prove itself. And they beat De La Salle last year, so yep. they can be going for two in a row against De La Salle. Right. And we'll be talking about Warren De La Salle here in a little bit when we mm-hmm. talk about the Catholic League Central Division. Another team that's for real. Let's talk about the Belleville Tigers. They're 5-0. and They're going to be playing against Dearborn Fordson mm-hmm. on Friday night. We're going to be covering the game on State Champs Extra Point. Some news publications have Belleville ranked really high. Yep. you think Belleville can make that next step up? Can they? Yes. I, I really believe they but can. But will they? Will they? That's tough. I don't believe they have yet, obviously. We're going to find out on Friday. I look at this team as maybe potentially being a year away um they've had you know since Jermaine Crowell arrived at Belleville the biggest question mark for Belleville has been the quarterback position you know they had Dwan Mathis when Dwan Mathis was a freshman he obviously transferred to Oak Park and is doing really well there but we'll we'll see I think this weekend is going to be a really interesting game they played Dearborn Fortson and I think if they come away with a win and kind of make a little bit of a statement then you know maybe they they can and will um, it's really tough to tell because the schedule they play really isn't all that difficult. You know, being in the conference they are, they are pushed. You know, pretty much to to the, the last second to the last second against, <laughs> against Brighton, Brighton yeah. in the season opener. Maybe that was a wake up call, like we were talking about, and they you know they benefited from a fumble recovery and kind of were able to to capitalize and win that game in overtime. But we're gonna find out about Belleville. I'm I'm interested to see. I'm planning on being at that Belleville Fordson game. But this is kind of what we've been waiting to see since. 
Jermaine Crowell left Cass Tech and went to Belleville, kind of waiting for him to put his, you know, Cass Tech style stamp on that program. Mm-hmm. But, you know, look at Belleville, they have the pieces. There's no doubt about that. The the Division One prospects, the the talent, the skill, you know, they have everything that you need on a team like that to to get it done. It's a matter of whether or not they will. Let's head down to the Down River League. It's a two-team race. Yep. Gibraltar Carlson, Windout Roosevelt. They they will play Week Eight. Mm-hmm. That will pretty much determine the Down River League title. Really They'll will. probably play each other again in the districts. Mm-hmm. We talked about Carlson in the summer. We got a little razzed about it. Like, wow, you guys talked about Carlson for five minutes. Right. Well, they're, they're proving real. it on the field. Jalen Franklin and that whole team is have taken it to another level this year. This is kind of what we, I guess, expected. Um, I don't want to put you know too much on Carlson or too much on Jalen Franklin, but when you have a Mr. Football candidate like Jalen Franklin, you kind of expect this team to take that next step. Um, you know, if Carlson wouldn't have, you know, maybe uh, Franklin wouldn't be in our Mr. Football contest. You kind of need a guy to carry that team. But I think the the guy on that Carlson team that really gives them uh, another boost, boost, yeah, I think that's a good word for it, is Ian Stewart. He's a twenty twenty kid. He plays receiver, but that allows you know Franklin allows defenses to look at other places than just at Jalen Franklin. You know, it makes them be wary of of a legitimate D one caliber wide receiver on the outside, so they can't you know stack the box and just throw everything they have at Franklin. So I think that's that's the good thing for for Gibraltar Carlson. It's a team that I know you and I were both high on going into the season, and we're looking not not too bad for it right now. And what do you think about Windout Roosevelt? You know, can't you know we got to talk about them? And they're, they, I, I, they're always tough. I heard they have a great defense. Mm-hmm. You know, some down there think like depending on what happens in the playoffs, like Carlson or Wyandotte actually could probably make the regionals this right. year and contend in that game. Right, and, and just to go off of what you said, you know, those those qualities that you list off, especially the the quality defense, the really good defense, are just that's those are staples of a Rod and Adams team. You know, for I haven't been covering the downriver for very long, but it, it's very simple. There's nothing pretty about Wyandotte, uh, not that I've, I've been able to see. But they get the job done, they win games, and they make statements in those wins. I got a chance to see them against a really good Allen Park team, and, and you know they, they hammered that Allen Park team. You look at what the, the defense has done this year. They have back-to-back shutouts right now. In the first three games of the season, they allowed six points, seven points, and seven points. You know That defense is legit, and that's, I think, what we're going to look forward to in Week 8 and then in the playoffs is Jalen Franklin and Ian Stewart Going up against probably the best defense in the in the Downriver League, you know I th- I think that's kind of what we're in for at this point. We're going to talk about the Lakes Valley Conference when this Ooh. league was first formed, uh, starting going into this year. We just assume it was just going to be Wall Lake Western, and that's pretty much it. And everybody else, about- maybe Water Vermont. You know we talked about Water Vermont a little yep. bit, but now going into this week, there's four teams. They have a legitimate shot to win the league this year. Yep. That is Wad Vermont, Lakeland, Wall Lake Western, Wall Lake Central. Mm-hmm. Lakeland plays Wall Lake Western this week. Yep. Your thoughts on this competitiveness, this parity of this conference this year that everyone just assumed it was just gonna be Wall Lake Western and that's right. gonna be it. You know, I think I don't wanna speak for you, but I think we kind of just like what you said, it was gonna be Wall Lake Western and everybody else, you know, playing catch up. That 
win over Wild Lake Western by Waterford Mott, I think, is what really threw this entire uh, conference into a huge unknown, I guess. Mm-hmm. You look at, you know. And Lake, then Lakeland, Lakeland, Lakeland beat, beat Mott. Mott. That's, that was it. You know, you see Lakeland, no disrespect to Lakeland, but I think early on in the season we didn't expect a whole lot to, from Lakeland. So you see Lakeland beat Waterford Mott. And then it kind of just reassures our original assumptions that, okay, it's Wild Lake Western's conference to lose and they're going to cruise and all that. Well, Lakeland turns out to be better than what we expected. Warford Mott beats Wild Lake Western. Uh, Wild Lake Northern really tested Wild Lake Western last week and gave them a little bit of a game. And the team that we're not talking about yet is is Wild Lake Central. You know, Wild Lake Central plays Wild Lake Western, I believe, in the last week of the year. They're much improved from what they were last year. So, I, you know, we see just... Uh, a conference filled with uncertainty. You know, I think this is this is one that we have where, you know, while Lake Western has the pieces, mm-hmm. you know, Sam Johnson at quarterback, Spencer Brown, Justin Thomas playing some offense and defense, Jonathan Moffitt, really good linebacker. They have the pieces, but this is still a very young team. You look at a team like Waterford Mott, this may be their year. You know, they, we've heard a lot about David McCollum. You know he's he's made some noise the last couple of years and he's putting up some big time numbers right now. Oh, trust me, we get the emails yeah. about it. <laughs> yes, Water Vermont. We do read the emails. You have sent us a jillion emails in the last couple of weeks. Yep, and, and we appreciate it. Yes, we do. We do. But you know, those are two teams that you know they have the playmakers that are there, and I think you know it's going to come down to one of those two teams. Um, but late again, Lakeland beat Water Vermont. If Lakeland beats Wild Lake Western, you know. Lakeland's right in the driver's seat to to win the first Lakes Valley Conference title. It's that simple. And now let's go to the Catholic League Central Division. People thought it was going to be Detroit Catholic Central and Orchard Lake St. Mary's vying for that top spot. That's Myself included. Right now, it's Warren DLSL leading that division. They're 4-1 right now, and they're they're undefeated in the division. Granted, they still have to play CC in a few weeks. CC just coming off a... Thrilling last-minute win over Brother Rice on mm-hmm. Sunday in the Boys Bowl. Brother Rice is two and three, but we don't know about Mariano Valeni. He came went down with a knee injury late in the game mm-hmm. on Sunday. We all know about Orchard Lake St. Mary's right now. Is it a down year in the Catholic League Central Division, or is it just the tough competition? And we won't know until the playoffs start. Um, how, how good the league, the Central was this year. You know, I've talked about this a little bit with Tom Markowski and. This I, I really think this is just a down year for the Catholic League. This is something that we're not used to, but I, I think it's a matter of um, these teams can get better, don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, but as of right now, the Catholic League is kind of up for grabs, and I think it's because nobody is really taking it. I think you know there, there are opportunities for somebody to you know, seize control of it, and I think that's what De La Salle has done. But you see St. Mary's. St. Mary's is obviously down being 1-4. and four. Uh, Catholic Central's 3-2. and two. But we're not used to seeing kind of this Catholic Central team. You know, they they did struggle with Brother Rice, and I you kind of expect that that's a rivalry game. That's mm-hmm. there's nothing. And then they have to that. play another Ohio school on Saturday. Dayton right. Dunbar. I uh, looked on online. They're off to a good start this year, right. so they might take another loss this weekend. And then they got DLSL, so CC could have three or four losses at the end of the year. Right, and, and you know I think. Catholic Central is a team that, like you said, they could have four losses. They could end up with two losses. You don't really know at this point no. with Catholic Central. I think the only team that we really do know about is Warren De La Salle. Um, and credit to Mike Giannone in his second year. Yeah, they they got they took a beating in Week One by Lowell, and you kind of wondered, okay, well, I guess maybe t- maybe not till next year, De La Salle fans. 
and they they respond from that with a, a very impressive win over, over, Granville. over Granville, which I don't think a lot of us saw coming. Um, and Granville's played really well, and then you you just see what DLSL is doing, and you know I think they're in the driver's seat. When it comes to Brother Rice, I think this is what we expected of Brother Rice this year. I expected them to be somewhere between four and five or five and four. They did play really tough with Catholic Central, which, to be honest, I don't think a lot of us really fully expected. We didn't expect a blowout, but I also didn't expect Brother Rice to be leading in the final minute of that game. And a lot's going to depend on Mariano Valeni. Yes. Uh, yeah. If he's out for the year. We, d- we don't know the extent of the injury yet. It looked pretty bad. Some thought ACL, some thought it was like some knee joint injury. We will know here pretty soon if he's, if he's going to play the rest of the year. Right. And they have a tough stretch the rest of the way. You yeah, know, they do. they do play St. Mary's on Friday, but without Valenti right now, we who knows? That's a toss-up game. They got Stevensville, Lakeshore, and Traverse City Central. <laughs> yeah, those are those are tough teams. If if there's nothing else that can be said about those teams, mm-hmm. um, they're just tough. And they, that's been their reputation for a long time. The one thing I will say that helps Brother Rice is obviously you don't want Valenti to go down like he has the last couple of years, but with his injuries. Uh, a guy like Greg Piscopink, the backup quarterback, has gotten some important playing time. You're at least not throwing in some inexperienced guy into the, you know, throwing him into the fire uh, right in the middle of the Catholic League season. Uh, so that could bode well for Brother Rice going forward. Let's just touch on the Macomb Area Conference quick. In that red division, it's Utica is an hour, Utica is an hour, Utica is an hour. It really is. Um, you know, you look at Eisenhower. You know, they're through the tough part of their schedule, yep. um, which I think is a luxury for them at this point. They got through Romeo. Mm-hmm. They got through Chippewa Valley. Yep. And they got through Macomb, Dakota. Yep, in consecutive weeks. And they open up the season with a win over Oak, Oak Park. Park. I mean, there's nothing more that can really be said about Utica Eisenhower. Max Whitworth has been fantastic all season long. Um, the biggest question mark going into the season for... for we, all, we said it was their supporting cast, yeah. and their supporting cast has, has stepped, stepped up. it up. It, it, they really have, you know. They lost Jack Provencher from last year. You know, uh, Max Whitworth called him the best running back in school history. Mm-hmm. I think after week one, Caleb Oyster really emerged as the the running back, the go to guy. Um, you know, t- standing next to Max Whitworth, uh, they run the the option a little bit, and that's kind of a thunder and lightning type of duo. But yeah, it's Utica Eisenhower, and to be honest, I know um, I haven't seen Cast Tech as of yet, but I, I kind of feel like Utica Eisenhower is the favorite in Division One at this point. Uh, Chris Smith has done a fantastic job with that team. Um, I got a chance to see them play uh, Chippewa Valley, and you know, credit to Scott Merchant and his team because that that team battled. Um, that's going to be another really dangerous team come the playoffs. But at this point, it's it's Utica Eisenhower, you know, way up top, and everybody else kind of you know trying to get to the top. And you know, the the rest of the schedule for Utica Eisenhower is Lons Cruz North, Sterling Heights, Stevenson, Warren Mott, and Utica Ford. And uh, it's kind of hard to expect anything but a 9-0 season at this point. All right, let's go to the Lansing area. Mm-hmm. Two teams that are doing well this year are Portland and Grand Ledge. Mm-hmm. Portland pretty much dominated Lansing Catholic over the this past weekend. Yeah. And Grand Ledge, they had to come back against Okemos. Grand Ledge is now 4-1 on the year. Mm-hmm. Do we expect they can make some noise in the playoffs depending on, you know, where they're going to end up being in the you know against a Brighton or CC depending on right, like you said, it kind of depends on where they end up. Um, you know, they're stuck in the middle because they either can go west or they can go east. The team that's handed them their only loss at this point is Dewitt, and 
know, DeWitt's, you know, right in their backyard, and, you know, they could see them early on. Uh, DeWitt won that game, I think, 14-7. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. I really like Grand Ledge, though. I really like the way their offense plays. You know, Nolan Bird, who's a guy that, again, we've talked about, you know, potentially throwing into the Mr. Football race. He's he's a really nice dual threat guy. You know, he throws the ball really well. Uh, they've got some designed runs for him. Um, and I think he's the guy that makes that offense go. In the Saginaw Valley League, we looked it up before the before we did this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, the top three teams are Davison, Midland, and Lapeer. Davison plays Midland this week, and then next week's the big game between Davison and Lapeer. Davison under Kyle Zimmerman, we have we have talked about Davison before the season started. Yep. You know, we said we'll see how they do against Southfield A and T. They beat them in triple overtime. Yep, you know, we'll see. We'll we'll see what happens this week. It's setting up. Say, if Davison beats Midland this weekend, it's setting up to it's Davison and Lapeer for the Saginaw Valley League, the Red Division. That's right. Yeah, I I, I look at Davison. It's it's the Tariq Reed show. But the one thing that's been good for Davison is they've gotten kind of like what we talked earlier about the supporting cast around Max Whitworth. Davison's gotten the supporting cast around. Tariq Reed. They've got they've done a good job of replacing some of those seniors that left last year, um, and still being able to maintain the same type of production out of, out of their running game because obviously that's what what drives this team. You see the the division that Davison plays in. Their only test before Lapeer on their schedule is obviously the season opener beating Southfield A and T in triple overtime. So I'm interested to see that game. Lapeer's gotten a lot better since they opened the season with I think like a 35 to seven loss uh, to Clarkston. Um, to see how much better Lapeer's improved and to see how, you know, well-tested Davison is, you know, from from really being able to kind of roll roll over the competition the last few weeks. And thanks again to listening on the State Champs Podcast Network. You can watch State Champs Extra Point Saturdays at 10 a.m. on Fox Sports Detroit. And you can watch State Champs, the original high school sports show, at 9 a.m. on Sundays at 9 a.m. For Kids Corner, I'm Jonathan Kidd, along with Jeff Dulac.